1208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It was sweet at Miller Park last night. So I go to the ballgame. Now, I, I, I've always said this about St. Louis fans travel extremely well. And as a general rule, no offense intended to you Cub fans, but um, well, I, I guess I understand. You can't say what I'm about to say without people taking offense. I get it. I've also I said collectively, in, on an individual basis, Cubs fans may be the nicest people in the world, but collectively you get five or more of you together in a group, and it's just incredibly ob- obnoxious. Now, the last time the Cubs were at Miller Park, and I admit part of it is that the Brewers have, you know, up until the last couple games, you know, were kind of like the whipping boy for the Cubs. But the last couple games, when the Cubs are here a week or so ago, I'm, I was at both of those games. One was a Tuesday night, one was a Wednesday, and the Brewers got ahead. They dominated the game, and the Cubs fans were incredibly, incredibly quiet. All right, the Cardinals fans travel extremely well also. Now, collectively, I don't find Cardinals fans to be as obnoxious as Cubs fans, but they, they travel extremely well. So last night, I, I'm there, and where I am sitting, I am surrounded by Cubs fans, including families. I mean, there's there's like all these little kids, you know, and that so obviously it's almost like a busload of people came up from St. Louis, and they're all sitting around me. First pitch of the game gets tattooed over the center field wall, so the Cardinals are ahead one to nothing, and everybody's screaming and dancing, and I'm thinking, it's going to be a really long night. But Brewers came back, scored two runs in the bottom of the first, and went on to route, route the Cardinals. Cardinals, I, I don't know what's going on with the team, but you always hear about the, the Cardinal way of baseball. They made four errors, um, including some ugly ones. The second baseman, the second baseman was playing second base like I would be playing second base. Ball goes through his legs. Another one, he gets a routine ground ball, throws it past the first baseman. The left fielder um, in the bottom of the first inning goes running back on a drive that uh, Jesus Aguiar hits. He apparently thinks it's going to be a home run. He jumps up. The ball hits three feet behind him on the outfield wall. I've never seen a play like that. I mean, it's it's one thing to misjudge it, but generally they don't do it like that. But in any event, the route was on. So if you were a Brewers fan, either listening to the ball game or watching it or lucky enough to be at Miller Park yesterday, it was a great game, and they play again tonight. And then two afternoon games on the weekend. So check it out. This Brewers team is for real. And if you can't get out to the ballpark, of course, you can listen to all the games here on WTMJ. A lot of ground to cover. It is a Friday program, so we, we do some heavy lifting, and we also mix in some fun type of topics. That's just the way I approach uh, kind of dreary Fridays, 58 degrees, um, rain kind of sprinkles in the area. But we will get through it. Story number one. All right. Roseanne, and I'm not a huge fan of, of Roseanne Barr. I, I think Roseanne Barr is a kook, and I thought that she's a kook for the longest time. But it, it's interesting because everybody knows the Roseanne Barr story. Um, her show had been off the air for a number of years. ABC reboots it. Roseanne Barr in person is a Trump supporter. Roseanne, the character on the show, is a Trump supporter. The show debuts. It does extremely well, except you've got all the left-wing critics who are all just outraged that you could even have the audacity to put anybody on TV who might not toe the ultra-liberal party line about how terrible Trump is, etc. And the show does well in the ratings. Roseanne Barr, predictably, ends up self-destructing by a series of racist tweets that she sends out, and she gets fired. All right, she, she essentially gets fired from the show. 
leading, of course, to the various double standards that if you're on the left, if you're Peter Fonda, if you're Samantha B, if you're any of these other people, you can say the worst, most appalling things, and then there's not going to be any consequences for you. But I, I digress. That is the double standard that's there. But anyhow, the Roseanne Barr show gets canceled, which leaves ABC with a huge hole in its Tuesday night lineup that they're trying to fill. In addition, when they fire Roseanne Barr, it ends up with the show being canceled. So that means all the actors and all the crew, about 200 people, are, are out of out of jobs. And that is a very unfortunate side effect of ends up what ends up happening. So after negotiating with Roseanne Barr, apparently she decides that she's willing to give up her profit participation in the show. I mean, it bears her name. The cute and executive producer, the characters were created by her. So even if if ABC would have continued with the show, she's a part owner of the show, and she would have been entitled to share in the profits of it. She has apparently, in an effort to keep the show going, she has decided, I'll back out. I'm, I'm not going to take any dough from this, because ABC apparently felt that Roseanne Barr is so toxic that if they continued the show without her, but she still got compensated anyway, it would still look bad. So she's cut this deal. She said, all right, I'm just going to step away. I'm going to relinquish any rights I have to be compensated. So ABC announces, all right, we're going to bring back the show, but she's not going to be in it. We're going to have the same characters. Presumably, they're going to write her off in some way. My guess is they kill her, the character, they kill off the character. But, but who knows? She's not going to be in the show. So it's Roseanne without Roseanne. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this show is doomed to fail. Doomed to fail. Roseanne was the glue that held that show together. And whether, I mean, if you want to look at the history of shows after main characters left, um, all I would point to is, Think back in time, the Andy Griffith show, incredibly popular, and then they go to uh, Andy Griffith decides, I, I want to make movies, I'm done with TV for a while. He stops doing it. They bring out Mayberry RFD. That lasted a couple years, but it ended up flopping. MASH, all right, finally they decide to end the Korean War. They decide to come out with a show called After MASH, no Hawkeye, um, no Hot Lips, and it, it featured a couple of the minor characters, the Father Mulcahy character, the Klinger character, and Harry Morgan's character. They, they try to keep it going. It, it, it lasted a year. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does Roseanne, the Roseanne show, without Roseanne Barr, does it have any chance of succeeding beyond the 10 series, the 10 episode commitment they've made? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And for anybody who thinks it does, my remark is simply going to be, all you have to do is think of after MASH. 414-799-1620, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with your calls in just a moment. I think this is doomed to fail. And I also think what you're going to see is a lot of the edginess that they had um, is probably going to be gone. My guess is the show turns out to be much more of a doctrinaire, typical... Um, let's live in our little lefty bubble sort of enclave. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I don't think the show has any chance of succeeding in the long run. Maybe it does well the first week as people tune in to see what happened, but long term, I think this is a loser. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. 
We discuss next. It's 1216 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1219 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Bubba in West Bend sends me a text. Look what happened to the 70s show when the characters of Eric Foreman and Kelso, that's the Aston Kutcher character, left the show. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, this is what typically ends up happening. There, there's a reason why shows are popular. And you know some of these reboots without the reason that people watch it. And again, I, I run hot and cold on Roseanne Barr. Okay, I, I've never been a huge fan. I've always thought she's kind of a kook and very, very difficult and a diva and all those type of things. But she was the person that made that show. So now we have in the politically correct world we live in. She tweets out this tweet that would admittedly racist. ABC can't continue with her even though people on the left can say horrible, horrible things and use terms which we agree are misogynistic or whatever, but that that's okay. They're, they're all right. They get to survive. But Roseanne Barr can't survive this. That's okay. That's fine. So now ABC is bringing back the show without her. That's noble, but I just don't see how it works. Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hey, afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jason. Uh, without Roseanne Barr on the show, you might as well not do it because that thing's going to crash and burn big time. Well, I mean, right, exactly, because she's, I mean, there's a reason why they called the show Roseanne, you know, that, that, that there's a reason why it was successful. It was built around her and her character, like her or, or not. If they thought they could succeed without that character, well, they would have done it, and, and they just, I, they, they can't. You need it. She is the glue that holds that show together. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, or like you were saying, as much of a nut job as she is, she's a hilarious nut job. Well, well, mean, no right. matter how much of. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, thanks. People, I mean, I, I, again, she was, I mean, people tuned in to see that all the other players that were there, Melissa, you know, all, all Melissa Gilbert, and, and um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of John Goodman, who plays the husband. I, and I am Laurie Metcalf's great actress, too. But but they're part of the ensemble, and the show was successful because it orbited around the character of Roseanne. You take that out. You take the name character out, and I, I just, I, I don't see it. It's not, I mean, I understand there's shows all the time that have to replace some of the supporting characters. That That's not an unusual type of thing. But this is a show that is built around the persona of that person. Jeff and Fox Point says, unless they get someone really big to replace her, and I think that would be difficult, the show is doomed. Other shows have survived after the main character left, like uh, Criminal Minds and Cheers, but they actually invested in bringing in talent. Um, well, and, and let's even take Cheers. Um, yeah, the... Shelley Long, you know, the, the one who played, what she played, Diane Chambers, I mean, she left, but at the same time, you know, the, the Sam character, you know, he, he stayed through the entire run of, of the show. So, I mean, you, you take Andy Griffith out of Mayberry, and you get Mayberry RFD, and you get the show canceled. You take Hawkeye and Hot Lips out of MASH, you get After MASH, and the show doesn't make it a year. Maybe it'll work out, and I suspect maybe for the first couple shows, you know, you'll, you'll do okay ratings-wise because people want to tune in and they want to see what it's like. But if this is just a regular sitcom, my guess is, you know, one year probably, you know, done and dusted. 1222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, what's up with Melania's fashion choice? Is it really as controversial as some people think? We discuss. Stick around. It's 1225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I mean, just... I mean, just think about it. It's it, there are shows that can succeed when characters leave. That that's not unusual. Mary Tyler Moore show 
all right, um, characters left for their own shows, but it, as long, it was Mary Tyler Moore. Could you imagine them trying to continue the Mary Tyler Moore show without Mary Tyler Moore? No. Same thing. Or the original Dick Van Dyke show that, you know, maybe you see in reruns. You know, they, that show ended when Dick Van Dyke decided that he wanted to stop doing the show. So, all right, the, the show ended. Same thing was true with Bob Newhart. Carol O'Connor was Archie Bunker, revolutionary character back in the 70s and all in the family. All right, other characters left. Matter of fact, all the other major characters ended up leaving the show, including his wife, you know, uh, played by Gene Stapleton. But the show, they, they were able to continue it because it became all in the family. Then it was Archie Bunker's place, and it was able to continue because you had that main character that was there. You take out the main character, and I think the whole dynamic changes. One more example, The Sopranos on HBO. All right, um, James Gandolfini, who played Tony Soprano, right, he, he unfortunately and tragically passed away a couple of years ago. You're, you're never going to be able to reboot The Sopranos. I mean, with The Sopranos without Tony Soprano, it's just not going to work. Um, it, it's just, it's not going to work, and that's part of the reality that's out there. Okay, let's switch gears. Controversy. Melania Trump who now keep in mind for Melania Trump had a medical procedure that was done a few weeks ago and she was out of the public eye and you had all sorts of speculation in the media. Um, is she leaving Donald? Did he beat her? I mean, there was, there are people who say, Oh, there's the reason she must not be in the public eye is, um, you know, he, 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 they must be getting ready to separate or, or maybe he hit her. And this is, this is the type of speculation that's out there, including some places in the media, this irresponsible, uh, again, speculation the, the truth of the matter is, I, I think she had a medical procedure and she just wasn't up to being seen in public. So, you know, she's had not as much as her husband, but but she's kind of had this this hot and cold relationship with the press. You have had commentators that have have mocked her. Remember the one who was making fun of her accent. Now, this is a woman who speaks five or six different languages, and we're going to mock her because of her accent when she speaks English. But but she's, because of who she's married to, well, all right, she now is apparently fair game for everything, and she's kind of not putting up with it. So anyhow, the story is, yesterday, she's making a, a surprise visit down to the, the border to, um, she's heading to McAllen, Texas, to visit an immigrant youth detention center. As she is leaving, um the joint base, Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland, en route to McAllen, um, she's got she's got this raincoat. She's wearing a jacket. Now, this is getting on, again, this is not at the immigration, the detention center in Texas. This is like leaving to head there. And she's wearing this $39 raincoat, essentially. And on the back of it, it's got the letters, I really don't care, do you? Question mark. Now, she wasn't wearing that when she got down into Texas, but she was wearing that when she was filmed, uh, again, getting on the helicopter, heading down there. And, of course, you have a lot of the usual suspects who are just absolutely apoplectic. What what could Melania be doing? Um, oh, my gosh, look at all the outrage that's there. How could you wear an I-don't-care jacket to visit immigrant children in Texas? This just shows how incredibly insensitive this woman is. Now, again, she wasn't wearing that jacket when she actually went to actually went to visit the children at the facility down in Texas. She was wearing it um, as she left uh, Washington, D.C., and she was being filmed. 
So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is this this huge outrage? Does the, does, do the Trump haters have every right to point to this as saying, oh my gosh, how incredibly insensitive this woman is? How could she do this? Or is this, as her husband suggests, just directed at, again, some of the coverage that she's been getting in the media? Was she sending the media a message? And was she out of line to do it on this particular trip? Keeping in mind, again, that she wasn't wearing the jacket when she actually went to go visit the children. All right. Melania's wardrobe. Is this the latest cause celeb? 414-799-1620. Back to take your calls in just a couple moments. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All the calls I have on the line right now are from guys, and I'm going to take those calls. But I'm also curious from a female perspective. Okay, It's the First Lady of the United States. If you're just tuning in, she decides yesterday that she's going to make a, a surprise-slash-unannounced visit to a detention facility down in McAllen, Texas. Um, she She's out at Andrews Air Force Base getting ready to get on the flight that's going to take her down to Texas, and she allows herself to be filmed wearing a green hooded military jacket from this fast fashion brand Zara, which is kind of like cheap fashion. It's like a $39 coat. And on the back of it, it says, I really don't care, do you? She's wearing that that coat. She gets on, on the plane. She doesn't wear it to the detention facility in uh, in Texas. But then when she gets off the plane after she's back in D.C., she has it on again. When asked what message the First Lady intended to send, her spokeswoman says it's a jacket. There was no hidden message. After today's important visit to Texas, I hope the media isn't going to choose to focus on her wardrobe. Um, the president offers his own interpretation. He says that this refers to the fake news media. Milani has learned how dishonest they are, and she no longer truly cares. All right, 414-799-1620. Was this inappropriate? Should she not have worn something like this, uh, again, on on the plane? She didn't wear it at the facility. She wore it on the plane. Gary in Illinois. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, yes, I don't know if I'd call it inappropriate, but it frankly just tells me that I'm not very bright or rather vapid. To not uh, realize that she's the first lady in a government uh, aircraft and wearing something like that. So it just tells me that it's not really that intelligent. Okay, what, what is it? Like what is it? What is it specifically about that, that coat that tells you that she's not intelligent? First lady representing the president mm-hmm. wearing a piece of clothing that says "I don't care." It doesn't matter what the topic is. Well, uh, that when it, if if, it, if this was intended, if this was intended as a shot at the media, the president says he he doesn't care a, a lot too. I mean, isn't isn't she just echoing him? Melania is not at war with the media on a daily basis. No. So no. I sorry, that does not fly. Okay. Well, basically, was not thinking. Oh, so you think that this was just it was just she she grabs his thirty nine dollar coat and doesn't really isn't paying attention to what's on the back. Okay, so thanks. I, I, huh? I, I guess, I, I think, I, I, I guess I have a trouble with that. I, I mean, I, I think that every every fashion choice somebody in the public eye, like Melania Trump, makes 
is a thought-out choice. And I guess I don't believe that you can go out in public wearing this coat saying, I really don't care, do you, without intending to send some form of message. And, and I guess I, the reason I think that also is that you know when she gets on the plane, this creates a huge storm in social media. And you know, so she, she wasn't wearing it in Texas. But when she comes back, she's got it back on again. So I, I don't, I mean, clearly I think this was sw- some sort of an intentional choice. The question is, you know, is this, is it wrong for her to do this? Um, is it wrong for her to send a message? Is this inappropriate? Um, what do you think? 414-799-1620. Peggy in Green Bay. Peggy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello there. I just think that the media makes way too much out of way too many things, and this is another example of it. I think she has the right to to wear what she wants to wear. I don't think it was exactly appropriate, but it, she really has the right to do it. And the way that they continue to pick on everything that he does, everything she does, every time, you know, to, for people to say, well, maybe he beat her and that's why she had a surgery is just right. asinine. And it's ridiculous that they can continue to to do this and, and it just keeps going. When Peggy, so when you say, I'm, I'm kind of curious because when you say you're, you're not sure whether it was appropriate or not, what what do you think might have been, what about it was, was not inappropriate? The fact that that, that she was wearing the coat given where she was going, like to visit the the, the, the detention facility, or just the, the message in general, if she had been going somewhere else, it would still be inappropriate. What, what exactly did you mean? I I would say the part that she where she was going, okay. I, I think she meant it for the media. Right. I really do, because she wouldn't say that about anything else. She's a wonderful woman who has been criticized and picked on, and she's they very make fun of her. She speaks five or six languages, and they make yes. fun of her accent for good. I'm lucky to speak one language, you know. And we don't do it very well ourselves. <laughs> so I think that you know she is a she's an extremely intelligent woman, and it's just ridiculous that the the media just picks on her. All the people pick on her all the time, and it's it's not fair and it's not right. And as a woman, I think that she has a right to stand up for what she wants to wear. And if that was her message and her way to get her word out, okay, she did it. No, no, she she did. No, thanks for calling. So I think, I mean, I guess for people who think the coat was inappropriate, I, I guess I, I do have, I, that, that is one thing I think you got to think about. Is it, is it in a, would it be inappropriate for the first lady of the United States to, to ever walk around in a coat that had that message on, on the back of it or is it inappropriate, if you believe it's inappropriate, for her to have been wearing it on part of a trip where, you know, you're, you're going down to the border to visit one of these detention facilities, given the obsession that everybody's had over the last week about how, okay, this, this is awful, the, the Trump administration is terrible, you're separating families, et cetera, et cetera. D- does wearing a coat with this particular message to that location uh, make it wrong or would she have gotten criticized if she had worn the coat anywhere? And candidly, I, I think I, I think that's probably true. I don't know that there's much she could do. I was reading these stories last night. There was apparently I, I kind of missed this. She was in France. She wore a white hat, and people were there were all these things ripping her for wearing a white hat when she was you know in France. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Barbara in Milwaukee. Hi, Barbara. You're on WTMJ. Yes, good afternoon. What do you think? Um, well, I'm a Democratic woman of age. I'm over 50. <laughs> I'm, okay, I, I, I was going to say, you don't you don't have to tell me exactly how old you are, but no, welcome I'm to the program. Okay, <laughs> but 
I think that she was brilliant in her personal life. This is a diversion. This has nothing to do with politics, where she went, who she was, whatever. As a woman who was just sick and sick and tired of being asked what was wrong, what happened to you, she did something to take that spotlight off of her personally and put it on a piece of clothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is brilliant because now nobody's asked her about her time off, where she was, what happened to her, and she did what she had to do going down there, not even talking to children or getting close to the children, but just talking to the workers, the employees down mm-hmm. there at the different areas. So, And she's back in, with, in Washington or New York. I don't know where she is. Nobody seems to know most of the time with her son, and she's out of the spotlight. So she did what she had to do. She got the press, everyone off her back, brilliant um, mm-hmm. move on her part, and I, I applaud her for that. And that is coming from a Democratic woman of age. Of age, gotcha. <laughs> and if I would have thought of that when I was getting divorced, I would have done the same thing. Um, no, th- thanks. For, I, well, I clearly see. I mean, I, thanks for call, Bar. I, I clearly think she was sending a a message, and it's probably, I think, along the lines of, you know, what what Barbara was talking about. Now, she did it in this fashion. Um, some somebody else might have. I don't know. You can think of all sorts of drawing. One of my favorite posters. One of my favorite posters, and it, it shows. It, it's called the last great act of defiance. It was a poster that they sold a lot in the seventies. And and what they show is it's a little field mouse, and it's a field mouse standing in the field, and he's looking up in the sky. And so it's focused on the field mouse, and you can see that there's this giant hawk that is swooping down at the field mouse. And the poster, you see the hawk, like from it's like the back of the hawk sweeping down, and the field mouse is looking up. And the field mouse, as he's looking up at the hawk, has raised his right hand and extended one finger. And you know which finger that is. And the caption is the last great act of defiance. That the field, it, it, it just, it sends a message. I, I think Melania Trump was sending a message yesterday. And, and actually, I mean, I, I think, I, I think this is much, 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 much ado about nothing. I, I think she was sending a message to the media and to the coverage that I think she had to, I, I think, resent over the course of the last month and all the, gee, did your husband beat you and, you know, where are you and are you dying and all these types of things. Um, I, I think she was sending that type of message. I, I think, you know, you illustrate that by the fact that she took the coat off once she got to Texas. So, I mean, she wasn't wearing it when she went out to the facility. Uh, you know, is, would, would I have, would I have done that? Would I, if, were I the President of the United States, would I have encouraged my wife to do that? Although, Fran would have left me long before I got to be the president of the United States. She's like, stay out of politics, for goodness sakes, Jeff. But, I, I mean, I don't know, because I, I understand it, it then moves on to this conversation. But I think she is just fed up with a lot of the attacks and a lot of the attention and a lot of the, I think, misguided speculation. And this was this was her way of of saying that. And... Uh, again, I don't think she meant any disrespect to the people in McAllen, Texas, that she visited, as witnessed by the fact that she took the coat off. She she wasn't wearing it there, but this was her sending, in her own way, a message, I think, to the media. And if it makes them go nuts, well, it makes them go nuts. Um, well, next week, I'm sure we'll be on to something different with Melania Trump's wardrobe. But I, she was sending a message, and I, I think at least some people in the media – Got it loud and clear. It's 12. Will they change their behavior? Of course not.
But, you know, that's how she handled it. It's 1246. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1250, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so my dentist was correct. So this this morning, seven. I, I had for the first time in my life, I had a, a crown put in. And three weeks ago, they did the drilling, and I had the... The, the temporary thing, and today we went in, and it's, and it's way in the back of my mouth. So it, for a variety of reasons, he recommended using gold. There's different ways you can do it, but we, we use gold. So I've got it there, and you, you, you can't see it. If you could see it, I'd probably make a different choice. But for, like I said, a lot of practical reasons, we use gold. So it's in the back of my mouth. You can't see it. But um, he did say, well, for the first day or two, uh, gold conducts kind of like heat and cold. So until it, there's going to be a little bit of a break-in period. And, and so if you drink like a cold beer and it hits it just right, you know, you might feel it. Well, I just found out if you drink really hot coffee, you might feel it as well. It was kind of, oh, that kind of will wake you up. Yeah, he, he, well, he told me that, like, the really hot or cold might get your attention. And, yes, that one got my attention there. So I'm now perfectly awake. Yeah, that's that's how I started off the day, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning having the thing done. All right. I, I did, these These stories just make me crazy. I, I admit it. They make me absolutely crazy because it keeps happening, and, and we, we haven't found ways to make it stop. But I'm sick of it happening. Another day, another story of, of a man brutally beaten by a bunch of teenage thugs. Now, this is a story we, we touched on You know when it first happened, May 17th. Um, out in, in, in Washington Park in, in Wauwatosa, it's about like 6.50 at night. And there's a 43-year-old man who's, I think, waiting for his kid to finish up with a soccer practice or something. And, and he's sitting in his car, and he's reading a book, and he, he kind of he nods off. You know, I mean, he's not drunk. He's just he's kind of he's waiting, and he kind of nods off. And what happens is you have four of these thugs that come up and and pull him out of his car and start beating him, kicking him in the head. Um, They they steal the car. As they're driving away in the car, they almost drive over the man's head. But they they literally leave him for dead in the course of of carjacking this, this vehicle. They're beating and they're stomping on him. He loses consciousness and then, again, they almost run over him as they're driving away in his car. A woman discovers the man, you know, bleeding in days. They call authorities. Actually, in, in the good news about this, man's gone public, and he's he's thanked, for example, the sheriff's deputies for helping him out and staying with him and all these, you know, different things. Police discover the stolen vehicle about a week later, and they arrest this 17-year-old um, after he abandons the car and tries to flee he has now um been charged in addition three others have been arrested in connection with this the the guy that's been charged he's 17 years old there's an 18 year old and there's two people let me see i want to make sure i have the ages right um there's two people one is one is 15 and i believe the other is 16 yeah a 15, 16, the guy that's already been charged is 17, and there was an 18-year-old. So you got four, four of these thugs, ages 15 through 18. They carjack this man. They beat him almost to death, and then they drive away in the stolen car. 
And my guess is that when they start releasing the names of the other people who have been caught in connection with this, we're going to see lengthy records. I mean, I just I don't believe that you just wake up one day out of the clear blue and say, hey, let's go out to Washington Park and beat somebody damn near to death and then, you know, drive away with the car. So my guess is there is a lengthy contact with the criminal justice system. In many respects, it is a miracle this man is alive. But the problem is this type of thing is happening on an almost daily basis in this community. We are doing an absolutely appalling job, number one, of of stopping it from happening in the first place. And number two, once it happens, we are doing an incredibly lousy job of protecting society by taking the people that have done this and getting them out of society. I am so sick to death of one politician after another saying, well, I'm against mass incarceration. Well, all right, tell tell me what you would do. You've got 15 and 16 and 17-year-olds who are beating people almost to death and stealing their car, and you're against mass incarceration. Well, I might be against mass incarceration, but I'm sure as heck in favor of incarceration for the animals, animals that engaged in this type of behavior. And in all these cases... My guess is, like I say, all four of the people involved in this probably have lengthy criminal records or at least contacts with authorities. They've been slapped on the wrist multiple times. Hopefully this will not happen again. But how many people have to be have to die? How many people have to be seriously injured before the district attorney's office and most importantly the judges realize that the number one public health crisis affecting this area and this community is the spread of violent crime by juveniles or um, just-turned-adult people. We've got to start getting these dangerous thugs out of commission in order for the rest of us to be safe. Is that too much to ask? And, yes, I'm addressing this to the Milwaukee County judges who are supposed to be protecting us. 1256, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. So much for tolerance. Rue, who's producing the show today. Do you know who Kevin McHale is? You do. Right. Kevin McHale um, pretty much done it all in the world of basketball. If you're not a sports fan, Kevin McHale is originally from Minnesota. Um, In the late 70s, he played for the University of Minnesota. He was all Big Ten got drafted by the Boston Celtics, and he played for the Boston Celtics for more than 10 years. Um, he and he, it, This was part of the Celtic teams that where Larry Bird was probably the star, but they, um, you know, they won a couple NBA championships. Um, one or two of the Celtic teams are kind of thought of as perhaps, you know, one of the, the some of the best teams in NBA history. But he was part of the, the Celtic, these really, really good Celtics teams in the, the 1980s and you know he was a key part he was a he was a power forward um who had a reputation of being a very tough very aggressive sort of player after he retired from from playing he went on to become um first he was the gen- he went back to Minnesota where he's from and he was the general manager for the Timberwolves then um, they fired the coach, and he took over as the coach of the Timberwolves, had some success. He left the Timberwolves, and he coached the Houston Rockets for a couple years. So, I mean, he, he's pretty much, you know, done it all in the world of basketball over the last, 
you know, three plus over the last 30, 35 years. Um, right now, and for the last several years, he's worked as an analyst for TNT and um, NBA TV. Sometimes he's a floor analyst. Um, other times he appears on their, like, in-studio shows, um, things like that. So, I mean, it, he, he, he works there. Um, he recently signed a, a multi-year agreement to return to Turner, Turner Sports. So he, he now makes his living as a broadcaster. Now, you might say to me, okay, that's all very interesting, Jeff. Why are you talking about Kevin McHale? All right. Well, here, here's what happens. Like I say, he's from Minnesota. His wife, who is also from Minnesota, we, we know his wife is a huge uh, Donald Trump fan. Um, you know, she's been, you know, um, she's over the years, she sent out tweets um, talking about how, how what, a, what a supporter of Donald Trump she is for a variety of issues. And the other day, as you might recall, President Trump had a rally, one of his campaign-style rallies, in Duluth, Minnesota. Now, Kevin McHale's wife, Lynn, tweeted that she was headed to the rally and, you know, noticed that she noted she was happy the president had mentioned his support for mining during her speech. So we know the wife, his wife, the wife, sorry. We know his, always drives me crazy as an aside. You know, I'm, I'm going out there with the wife. You know, if I ever said I'm going out there with the wife, well, the wife would be ready to punch me out when I got home. You know, I said, what do you mean talking about me about wife? I have a name. All right. Yes. So that's why, but you know, people say I'm going out with the wife. All right. So anyhow, his wife, we know was going to the Trump rally, and she makes no apologies. She's, she's a, a Trump supporter. So um, what happens then is that you've got the televised rally. You know, they're showing pictures of it. All the major news channels you know, covered the rally, except CNN that bragged that, hey, we didn't cover this. Well, you know, everybody else ended up doing it. Well, in pictures from the rally, um, it, it looks like, now, of course, Kevin McHale's a big man. And um, if you look at pictures from the rally, it appears that Kevin McHale is in is in the background. He wasn't on wasn't on stage, but it appears that he's in in the background a few rows up. And it appears that this would make sense because, like I say, it, it's it's in Minnesota. He's from Minnesota, and his wife sends out this tweet saying, hey, I'm going to the rally, so I guess it's not beyond the realm of possibility that um, Kevin McHale accompanied her to the rally. Now, again, he's not on the stage. He's not introducing the president, but he is in the crowd attending this rally. I bring this up because social media has gone, well, crazy on this, and uh, we, we don't know for sure. He hasn't come out, at least as of last time I checked, and said one way or the other whether he was there or not. But I think it's a pretty reasonable assumption. You look at the photos, there's a guy that looks like him. We knew his wife was going. It's in Duluth. So I, I think, you know, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, he was probably at this rally. Well, here are some of the things that uh, some of the tolerant left is saying. Sports radio host Henry Lake writes, if Kevin McHale actually showed up to Trump's rally in Duluth today with everything else that is happening now and with what Trump's done and stands for, yes, he should be canceled. Somebody else says um, he should. Let's see. Writer Nathaniel Friedman tweeted that McHale is extremely stupid for attending a public Trump event and that he should never 
never work in the NBA again. Another writer says, Kevin McHale just became the other side of Colin Kaepernick. Hard to see him ever coaching again in the NBA. Happy draft day to everyone but Kevin McHale. Um, and it goes on and on and on. Uh, let's see. The score editor, Chris Walder, said he was disappointed if McHale show up, would have shown up at the I- event. Um, liberal blog Deadspin published an article headlined Celtics great Kevin McHale enjoys old fashioned, um, enjoys old fashioned, old feeling of being in an arena full of screaming bigots. Um, filmmaker Adam Best writes, slap a scarlet letter on Kevin McHale and anybody else still supporting Trump after three years of this BS. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, we all understand that the, the party line is apparently, you know, if you support Donald Trump, you are you are a racist, you are a misogynist, you are, you know, fill in the blank. So Kevin McHale, and again, it, again, it's all circumstantial evidence, but it appears that he attended, didn't participate, didn't organize, he attended the Trump rally, presumably with his wife. Should he be blackballed by the NBA? Should he never work in the NBA again? Should TNT, which is Turner Sports, should they look at ways of canceling his contract? Has he become too much of a hot potato because he had the audacity to attend a Trump rally? I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 116. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Has Kevin McHale committed the ultimate unforgivable sin um, and should he be out of basketball simply because he attended the Trump rally? 116, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's start with Michael in Bayside. Hi, Michael. Hello. Of course this is what was going to happen. He should have taken that into account if he's going to try to live in the public eye that he's going to get blackballed. He's going to get blacklisted. And then a lot of people that are in his immediate realm are going to be against him on this purely because there he was. Well, what what did he do that was so awful that he should be blacklisted? Uh, I'm I'm not this type of guy, but I believe that uh, he was there. He must support mm-hmm. him. He must be a racist. He must be for someone getting taken at the border. Uh, he must be against gays. He must be against Muslims. All that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's what they're going to tar him with. Well, right. That that's that's what the claim is going to be. But I guess. Does that mean that if you're an NBA owner, I mean, has it gotten to the point in this country where if you attend a political rally, in this case conducted by the man who is the president of the United States, you're then, you know, eligible to lose your job because, well, you know, you it, we, we can't even go out in public and say we support President Trump? That is, of course, the world that we live in now. Hmm. It, it's unfortunate. It's gross. But that's the way it is. Okay, thanks for the call. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I that, that's a hell of a statement. Pardon my French, but that's a hell of a statement. If if it's now gotten to the point where the the compassionate, tolerant left is at a point where you can you just attend supporting a political candidate. And by the way, last time I checked, Donald Trump won the presidency. He he got elected. He had more electoral votes than Hillary Clinton did. And if you look at the polls. 
I think there is a decent chance if he runs again that he might be reelected. So now are we really at a point where we're saying if you are a Trump supporter in the eyes of, I don't know, some people in the community, it is so toxic that just attending a rally, I mean, he's not even participating in the rally, just attending the rally. Honey, I'm going to the rally. Come with me. Okay, I'll be there. Just your mere presence can get you blackballed can have you, all right, you're, you're never going to be able to work in the NBA again. Turner Sports should get rid of you because you had the audacity to attend a rally. Have we really gotten to this point? And at some point in time, it, it, are, are the people, are conservatives, are Republicans, are the Trump supporters, who, by the way, um, at least Republicans hold a majority of the governors, control the U.S. Senate, at least for the time being, control the House of Representatives. Is there going to be a time where you say pushback? We say, look, we're not going to be held hostage to the kooks that are out there that are saying you should lose your livelihood merely because you choose to support the president of the United States. 414-799-1620. Steve in Brookfield. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. I think we're already there. I mean, look at what's going on in Hollywood, in, uh, in corporate America. By mere association now with the political party, You're associated. You're not going back. I mean, I think we are at the point. I made this to your screener. I made the point. I said, I think we're at the point. We need a civil war. There's no backing down on either side. Tell me one thing that both sides have compromised on in the last four years. One thing. Nothing. Uh, No, go go back. I, I think you can go back eight. I think you can probably go back 16 years at least and say that, you know. Definitely. Definitely. So, so I think we're getting to the point where, and this is kind of what you're talking about here, is by mere association, you are decided, and that's it. And that's wrong. Right, and I it's scary. I, I, it, it, it's progressing very rapidly. Oh, yeah, well, you're, I mean, you're right. You're starting, I mean, thanks to the call. No, you're right. See, and that's, that's what, the, that's what the, the scary thing is. And, look, it's, you know, it's one thing if you want to have, if you want to, all right, if, if there's some, Mouthy Hollywood lefty who decides that they want to go off half cocked and send off, you know, inappropriate tweets like Peter Fonda. Okay, I, I think I think it is fair to mock them if they cross the line, whether it's Samantha B or Roseanne Barr or whatever. I, I think it's fair to say there should be consequences. But in a case like this, Kevin McHale didn't do anything wrong. If this was uh, Kevin McHale, it seems like he accompanied his a wife who is an admitted Trump supporter to a rally. He attended event. Heaven forbid. I don't know. Maybe he's even given money or maybe his wife has given money. Is that what we're now? Have we gotten to this point in America where we're going to tolerate this and we're going to allow people to be blackballed and your jobs at risk? Turner should, Turner Sports should get rid of him because he had the audacity to attend the rally. My gosh, you turn on ESPN on a regular basis and, and you've got one host after another who's throwing in their typically liberal political points of view and that's just kind of tolerated. I mean, it's not like McHale, for example, goes on Turner Network Television, his NBA coverage, and starts talking about politics. He just attended a rally on his own time, and there's all these people saying he shouldn't be able to work again, and he should, um, again, lose the job that he has. If, if people don't see how scary this is, and if the Trump haters don't see how scary this is, and if the people who are Trump supporters, if you wonder why people who are Trump supporters start getting indignant about this stuff, it's things like this. He attended the rally, and like I say, last time I looked, the President of the United States won the election a couple years ago, and like I say, I think 
might, might win again if he were to run. Let's talk to John in Brookfield. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello. John. Yeah, as a uh, one-time Democrat, it's really kind of embarrassing to find out what has happened. Uh, I think they've forgotten that they live in the United States, and they have a, a duty to honor and respect all of the officers, particularly the President of the United States. And the, the Democratic Party has gotten to the point where they cannot compromise on anything. And, well, and, and, and people who disagree are viewed as evil. And, and that's, see, that's the frustrating thing to me. I understand that there's real policy issues that, that divide us, and, and I get that. But it's this idea that, okay, if you support Donald Trump, you've got to be a racist, and you've got to hate women, and you've got to hate immigrants. It, it can't be because... Well, you know, maybe I think, you know, you need to support the the you know, you need to support border security or something like that. But that's it. It's this personalization and it is this absolute hatred to the point that, oh, my gosh, he had the audacity to show up at an event. Uh, he, he's he's got to be blackballed. Well, that's scary. I mean, it, it is it is this is reverse McCarthyism. And the people who screamed loudest about McCarthyism are the ones who are promoting it on a daily basis. Yeah, it looks. It'll, it'll, they get worse every every year. It seems like. Oh, it. it, it well, I mean, this, this one again. Look, I, I don't. I don't know Kevin McHale from at McHale from Adam. I, I don't know, but I, I mean, what, what? How? How are we going to do? What is going to be the next thing? Is the next step going to be okay? Let's find out everybody that showed up at the uh, at the Trump rally or the Walker rally or whatever, and let's take their photographs and let's figure out who they are and where they work, and let's call for all of them to be fired because we're the tolerant, compassionate left, and, and we know better. And if you support Scott Walker or you support Donald Trump or you support Donald Trump's policies, well, then you're not fit to be around. But yet, uh, again, on the other side... Well, how how dare you try to interfere with our First Amendment rights to go on TV and express different opinions? McHale wasn't using his position, and that's the difference between McHale and Colin Kaepernick. McHale wasn't using his position as a basketball player or a Turner analyst to try to promote what, you know, to try to protest or promote a political agenda or whatever. He just showed up on his own time at a rally in contrast to the other stuff that's going on. I'm telling you, this is just flat-out scary. And I don't care about Kevin McHale one way or the other, but you know he is now going to be branded. And there's going to be some NBA owners, if he wants to, for example, if he ever wanted to get back into coaching, they're going to consider him to be too much of a hot potato because simply because he went to this event, they're going to say, oh, my gosh, well, I'm going to have a certain segment of the community that's going to be outraged if I hire him. And if you don't think that's scary, whether you're a liberal or a conservative or a Republican or a Democrat, if you don't think that's scary... You need to wake up and smell the coffee. It's 128. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Well, Gru is producing the show today and always. You will be pleased to know that all this angst, all the problems, all the concerns we have about what is going on with the border, our immigration policy, and separating families and all this, well, that the national nightmare is about to end. It is, because... Stormy Daniels is on the way. Stormy Daniels, of course, as everyone knows, her real name is Stephanie Clifford. She is the stripper slash pornographic movie actress 
who had a one-night stand, although I don't think they were standing with the president back in 2006, that, that she acknowledges was consensual. He, for his part, has denied it. But you now she's at a golf tournament. He's at the a celebrity golf tournament at the time. He was getting like third billing behind Ray Romano. So it, it shows how things change. And he goes... She goes up to his room, and she's trying to get a gig on The uh, Apprentice, and um, apparently they do whatever it is that they do. That's according to her story. And then then the thing kind of winds down, and nothing is thought of it. She doesn't get the gig on The Apprentice, and a few years later, she decides that she wants to sell her story. And then, of course, we're, we're off to the races with the Michael Cohen things and everything. But now, now... Stormy Daniels, and I want to give her credit, her and her lawyer, as I've said this repeatedly, are the greatest self-promoters since Barnum and Bailey. I mean, the, the truth is, nobody would give a rat's rump about Stormy Daniels, a, some, you know, a, an aging pornographic movie performer. Nobody would care at all about her, except now she's found her 15 minutes of fame as the woman who slept with Donald Trump in 2006. And again, this this says to me all you need to say about America. Because if, if you want to be a Trump hater, okay, I, I, I get it. You can be a Trump hater, and you can say, oh, my gosh, this guy was married, and a little baby at home, or his wife was pregnant, or whatever this was, and he's sleeping around with this woman. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, that's fine. But what about her? I mean, there, there's nobody that covers themselves in glory in, in this entire thing. I mean, it's not like... Stormy Daniels is Joan of Arc. Okay, she's just not. Okay, so at the best, if you if you take her story at face value, uh, there's nothing in the story that she has anything to be proud of. But of course, because she's the one that's capitalizing on this, and it's Donald Trump. All of a sudden, she's kind of the the hero of the 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 crazed left and she's showing up at strip joints and you've got these women who are coming oh i just think that she's great and uh, it's she's a feminist role model what i mean what planet are you on this woman is a shameless self-promoter who is trying to figure out a way to make a buck and is exploiting every different avenue she can to try to get some attention so here's the the latest story she gets a she gets apparently a a tweet that says, Stormy Daniels, Stormy, please use your platform to help uh, the kids. We know how much you love your child, and we need to help them get their parents back. To which Stormy says, I am headed down in a week. This is down to the border. Apparently, she's got, um, she's booked sometime around the, uh, booked on the 4th of July. Oh, there's a lot of things I could say about that, but we'll just let it go. She's booked on the 4th of July at some strip joint somewhere in Texas. So she said, I'm headed down in about a week. Don't worry. I'm just figuring out my best course of action to maximize my resources, whatever that means. So, all right, don't worry. All the problems you've got on the border, whether it's people coming in illegally or separating children or whatever, don't worry, it's going to be solved soon because Stormy Daniels is on the way. I swear, we are going to look back. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be doing this talk show 10, 20 years from now. I, I, I'm not going to be doing it 20 years from now. don't know if I'm going to be doing it 10 years from now. But at some point in time, somebody is going to be doing some talk show like this, and they're going to look back. 
And we're going to look at this particular point in time in American history where the public ends up being fascinated at the behavior and caring what this pornographic movie performer slash stripper, she's now become like like a voice of a generation or something. We're going to look back at this fascination that we've had with some of the minor players in the Trump orbit, and people are just going to shake their heads and collectively think, we have lost our minds. And you know what? Anybody who thinks that's probably going to be correct. Stormy Daniels heading to the border to try to, I don't know, try to fix things. What she's doing is she's heading to the border because I, she was in Chicago a week or two ago. Chicago Tribune had a big story about how her appearance at the strip joints there did not go over very well. Apparently, um, some people weren't thrilled with the show that she put on, and she started lipping off to them. It, it, apparently, it was not it was not the greatest of shows in Chicago. Now, I, I, I have really no frame of reference to judge what differentiates a good strip show from a bad strip show, but but apparently, you know, there were some issues with regard to that. So. Um, it seems like any time there's just even a momentary pause when Stormy Daniels has been able to get in front of a camera, she's got to figure out another way to get that attention. So she's heading down to the border. She's going to stop off at some strip club to continue her tour. But uh, after that, she's going to solve the problems. Maybe she'll take on world peace after that. Seriously, have we really gotten to this point? 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I admit that this whole immigration discussion, I, I, it's sort of like... I'm kind of on my last nerve when it comes to this because, as I've argued for a few days, there, there is an obvious, I think, an obvious solution to it. I think the Republicans are moving towards it. The Democrats won't go along with it because they think there's more political hay to be made. But let's let's talk about what really is the the opposition, the opposition's approach to to immigration. And I want to have a serious discussion here about this. When people come into this country illegally, and, and the reason. We, we've had this whole border crisis is people come into the country illegally. They bring their kids with them, right? What was happening before is that if you don't detain the people, the people, the adults who've come in illegally, you allow them to stay with their families, but you say, all right, you're in the country illegally. I know you're, you're requesting asylum or whatever. Here, you know, you've got a hearing. We're going to have a hearing in 60 days. Come back in 60 days. If you let them go, 80% approximately of the people who are told to come back voluntarily don't. They just disappear into the ether of our country. So it's kind of a standing joke. You bring along your children, you will be caught, you will then be released, and you, you won't, you know, you're just gone then. Well, that's that wasn't working. So now you had the policy of, okay, well, the law allowed us to detain adults, but not to detain children. So we had these separate things. Trump now says, okay, we're going to keep everybody together. Well, all right, that is that is not now the claims of the left. Now the left has pivoted. So it's not earlier this week it was, no, you can't separate families. So now Trump administration says, okay, we're not going to separate families. We'll keep them all together. Well, now the argument is, no, 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 it's inhuman to detain anybody. Kids, adults, they just can't be held in detention. All right, the alternative to that, the alternative to detaining people who come into this country illegally is not detaining them, which means you just let them go, and you hope that they are going to come back. 
recognizing if the past is a prologue that the vast majority of people who come into this country illegally, if you tell them, come back for a hearing, they're not going to. And, and, and maybe you'll find them a year later, two years later, whatever, but they're not going to come back. That's just, that is just the reality of this, which then brings us to what is really the fundamental question. There were these marches, you know, yesterday, and, and you've got the, the immigration left saying, we've got to end a zero tolerance policy at the border. Let's cut through all the stuff. Let, let's, let's just try to be honest for a minute. What the people who are arguing against what we are doing now is re- what they are really saying is we should not stop people at the border. We should have open borders. We should allow people, if you want to come into this country from somewhere else, you should be able to do that. You know, it, you shouldn't have to prove, you know, that you need asylum. If you want to come into this country, you should be able to do it. You shouldn't have to prove that you have people here who can help you. You shouldn't be have to prove that you can be able to support yourself. It is inhuman to turn people away. Right? Our numbers, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Let's have an honest conversation. Would this country be better? And I understand we are a country of immigrants. Would we be better in 2018 if we essentially said anybody who wants to come into this country can forget about it? We're not going to enforce. We're not going to we're not going to care about the border between U.S. and Mexico. We're not going to stop people. You just come on into this country. Now, if you commit crimes, once you're in the country, you're going to be prosecuted. But come on in. Bring your families. Bring your extended families. Bring your friends. Come on in. Settle wherever you want to settle. Would we be better off? Is it inhuman to say, no, I mean, you know, you, we are going to limit the number of people who come into this country. We're going to limit who comes into this country. Would we be better off? Should we go back to just say, let's open, I say go back, we've never had that. Let's just open up the borders. Because at the end of the day, that's what a lot of these people who are protesting, that's what they really want. They won't come out and say that. But when you hear people say, let's end the zero tolerance policy, what that means is don't, don't, if you catch them, release people, which essentially is the equivalent de facto of open borders. 414-799-1620. Let's start with uh, Jody in West Bend. Jody, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Um, I think we should actually deport immediately. Don't have them sit around. Let them do things legally. We keep letting people in. We're not going to have any... Uh, funds or resources to take care of the homeless and the starving that we have right now. I don't get how people think that we can constantly keep supporting people who can't take care of themselves and still let millions and millions in every year. Right. And, of course, now some of those millions and millions are going to be you know, people who will get jobs and they'll work at jobs that um, arguably maybe some Americans don't want to do or whatever. But you're right. I mean, a, a lot of the people that come into this country – they're going to then be drawing on resources of this country. They're going to be sending the kids to schools. They're going to be taking advantage of the medical care, medical care and things like that. They are going to be drawing on the system. But, but, but Jody, I mean, where is your humanity? How can you turn away these people who are, want to come to the America, this country looking for a better life? Uh, if they want to come looking for a better life, 
Come in legally and don't break laws the minute you come into the country. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, no, th- thanks for calling. I, see, I, I'm with you. If you want to change the immigration laws to you know th- determine, make it easier for certain types of people to get into this country, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to that discussion. But But this idea that we're just going to allow millions of people to pour into this country on a regular basis and expect the country's economy to take care of those people is just crazy. But at, at its heart, that's what a lot of these people who are protesting are saying. Texter says, name another country who has open borders. I can't. I, I, I can't. In the European Union, you know, they have, you know, you if because you've got the Union of States, you know, you can go from country to country if it's part of the European Union, but you're still not a citizen. You're not a resident of those places. 414-799-1620. Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, this is just the craziest thing I've ever heard. And, it, and there's a couple parts to it that I see. I see that if we have open borders, all those people will be voting to the left. You can forget about the right existence, number one. But number two... Just this morning on the news of both networks, left and right, they said that 80% of the people that were, you know, picked up for illegally coming here were without parents, 80% of them. So if you're a parent that allows your child to go out in the wilderness and hope you make it, you're not a parent. And we want to open borders to people like that that are not parents. They're not good parents. Well, Well, also, I mean, thanks. I mean, how are you going to support yourself? I mean, how how are you going to take care of yourself? You know, it's really interesting. I, I've told this story before. Um, we have a we have a we have a radio station. The, the company had a radio has a radio station in, in Tucson, and uh, one of the hosts ha- years ago. He's not with the company anymore, but he he had a heart attack, and so I, I did. They, they hooked me up on the satellite, and I did his show for a couple weeks. You know, just in addition to doing my show, and I did it on the satellite. And it's so interesting to to talk to people. For example, who, who live on a border, you know, who, who see you know, some of the, the effects in it, of, of illegal immigration in such a different way than perhaps we see it in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where it's more of a theoretical thing as opposed to, gee, I woke up this morning and there's 15 people, you know, running through my, my backyard. There, it's just a whole different perspective on that. But, but again, I, this idea that we shouldn't be enforcing border security the fact that we shouldn't have zero tolerance which essentially means all right it will we'll catch you and then we're going to release you i'm kind of with jody our first caller who said i, I mean I, I think you can make a strong argument for you catch somebody you just turn them around and you send them back i mean let, let's not let's just immediately just send people back unless they can present some sort of well the, the truth of the matter is you know if you want to come into the country you should make arrangements to do so legally before you illegally enter the enter the country in the first place, Pete in Waukesha. Pete, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, two points uh, on your show, I believe, or Steve's in the morning yesterday or the day before. There was a guy that said he worked in Mexico and had to renew his visa every three months sure. to stay there. Okay, one point. Sure. The second point is we cannot, as a U.S. citizen, pack up our family or by by myself go to any other country and stay. It's just impossible. No, no, and if if you go on, I tell you, Pete, if you go on a visa to, you you go to Ireland on a visa, you overstay that visa, and my guess is within a week, you're going to have authorities banging on the door saying you got 24 hours to get out. I mean, that's the way other countries operate, sure. Another point, my sister lives in Florida in a hidden community, 
and people from Canada come down there with their visas or whatever you want to call them, they have got to leave before their six months is up, or they catch hell when they get back. Right. It, it, period. It, yeah, it becomes an issue. No, th- thanks for the call. I can have a text. Jeff, are you planning to erase the inscription on Lady Liberty? Huh. No to open borders, but yes to humane treatment of those who make the poor choice of entering our country illegally. Okay, well, what, what does humane treatment mean? <laughs> the fact is, if you if somebody comes into this country illegally and you don't detain them and you release them, we know that they're not going to come back for their court dates. That's just what you see in the overwhelming percentage of cases. So essentially, not detaining people is essentially the functional equivalent of open borders. Huh. 157, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Glad to have you with us. All right, this is the 2 o'clock hour of the Friday program, 2.30-ish or so, Pop Culture Corner, Summerfest starting next week. So that'll kind of give you a hint as to where we're going to be going with Pop Culture Corner this week. But a couple things to talk about before that. Um, if you are a regular regular listener of this program, you know that there are many joys that I have in my life. I am blessed by a number of things. And one of the things I'm blessed by is I'm a huge dog lover. And um, my, my wife, Fran, will say, you know, I hope I hope that you're never required to choose between me and the dog. Well, I, I would choose you, darling. But but the dog is a close second. I have a little dog. Um, she's Pomeranian. I've had her for three years. Her name is Sasha. Five, five plus pounds. And she is one of the lights of my life. I mean, today, this morning, I'm, I went to the dentist. I'm back. I'm at home. I'm getting ready for the show. And she just, just wants to kind of sit in the lap, my lap and be petted. And for, it's just, it is incredibly therapeutic. You know, you come home, you've had a bad day and doesn't, doesn't matter what's going on. I mean, there's that little dog that's just jumping up. And it's glad to see you. It's just, it's just, it's nice. So I admit when I talk about topics like this, I come at it with the perspective of a complete and total dog lover. I have never taken my dog on an airplane. Whenever I have traveled, and I, I've had her since she was like eight weeks old. So whenever I've traveled, I've always, you know, left her behind in the care of, in the care of folks that I trust dearly. So I, I haven't traveled yet. I think there might be an occasion when we would do that. I would never, ever, ever send my dog in, in cargo. I, I just, I just wouldn't. I, I hear these stories about, and I understand they, they send lots of dogs in cargo and all, but I would never, never do it. I, I just, I couldn't do it. Now, my dog is small enough, and I have the container that I could bring her on the plane, and I could put the container under the seat. Um, I could do that. Now, typically, airlines, if you want to do that, um, they charge you somewhere in the neighborhood of depending somewhere between seventy five and one hundred twenty five bucks. So it's going to cost you some money. For me, it would be well worth it, and I and I could do it because, like I say, she's she is a small dog. There are a lot of people that don't want to pay the seventy five to one hundred twenty five dollars, and they don't want to pay to ship their dogs in the cargo container. So what they do is they go out and they get a letter from some doctor, typically some doctor on the Internet, who says that the dog is an emotional support animal. Now, I'm not talking about a service dog. You know, the service dogs being the type of dogs that you 
most commonly you would think of as like seeing eye dogs and things like that, but an emotional support animal. And they say, okay, well, you know, um, you're, you're nervous to fly and, you know, having the dog around will help you calm down. So it's, it's an, it's an emotional support animal. And, and they'll get this letter and then people will go to the airlines and they'll say, see, my, my dog is an emotional support animal. I should be able to bring my dog on for free. And in most yeah, I'm going to say it. I think in most cases this is nothing but a scam. Now, I mean, I appreciate have, being a pet lover myself. I, I appreciate that pets can be, you know, your your pet can be incredibly relaxing, and it, you know, that that's one of the reasons why you have a pet because it it helps relax you, it brings enjoyment to your life. I, I get all that, but this idea that oh, I can't travel unless I I have my dog or my cat or my peacock with with me and all. I, I think more often than not that that is a scam. To the extent that you're just you just don't want to pay the money to fly with your dog, and again, this is different than the, for example, the seeing eye dogs and the things like that. This emotional support stuff, um, but many airlines will allow you to bring the emotional support animal on, and we've talked about that in a number of different contexts, and it's creating a problem. Well, here's the deal: Delta Airlines, which is one of the, I believe, three biggest airlines in the country. There's, a, there's United, there's Delta, there's American. Uh, Delta Airlines, starting July 10th, they have a, a new policy with regard to emotional support animals. Now, these aren't these aren't the service dogs. I, again, like for example, the seeing eye dogs that are specifically trained. These are the emotional support animals, the dogs that give you comfort um, because you're nervous or or whatever. So this is their policy. First of all, they are limiting emotional support animals to one per customer. So you can't bring three of your dogs on your flight between Milwaukee and and uh, Miami. Secondly, and here is where it gets more controversial, they are banning, wait for it, pit bull type dogs as either comfort or service animals. They say that the reason they're doing this is because of safety concerns after several workers were bitten. Delta says it carries about seven, get this, 700 service or comfort animals daily. 700 daily or nearly 250,000 per year. That, at least in my opinion, tells you that there's a lot of people out there scamming the, the system Folks that just don't want to pay the hundred bucks to fly with their dog, and so they're saying, "Okay, I, I need the service animal." Um, so here's the deal: um, if it's a pit bull type of dog, they're not going to allow it on the plane as a service or support type of animal. Now, this does create an issue if somebody has a pit bull that's like a legitimate, like a seeing eye dog or something. But I don't think there's too many of those that are out there. But they're saying, look, here's the deal. The problem is that, um, you know, we've got some of these these breeds that have attacked or bitten service workers or other people on the plane. And so we are making this decision. All right. Well, predictably, this has some people extremely upset. The CEO of the ASPCA is saying Delta Airlines should resist unwarranted breed prejudice and rescind its breed Brand, breed, breed, ban. Say that three times. Okay, so 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So Delta Airlines is essentially saying, 
if you got a pit bull, we're, we you, you can't bring it. You can't say that it's a comfort animal, and you can't bring it onto the plane because we've had problems with animals like this who have bitten other passengers. They've bitten um, flight attendants. They've bitten personnel, and so we're just not going to allow it. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I know there's a lot of you out there that just love pit bulls. Fluffy would never, ever bite anybody. It's just sweet and it's gentle. All right, this is clearly breed discrimination. What do you think about Delta's policy? And maybe another way to look at this would be, let's say that you're you're flying and you've got, I don't know, you've got the aisle seat and you're flying Delta, where did I just fly Delta, from Milwaukee to Atlanta and you've got the aisle seat. And, you know, two people get on the plane and they've got their emotional support pit bull that is now going to park itself, I don't know, in the lap of the woman who is sitting next to you um, in the middle seat. How would you feel about that? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 217. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 219. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, if you're just tuning in. Delta Airlines, which is one of the three largest airlines in the country, announcing um, that effective July 10th, if you want to fly with one of these emotional support animals, which are different than the service dogs, you, you know, the animals that you need to give you comfort, first of all, you're going to be limited to only one, only one animal. And secondly, no pit bull, no pit bull type dogs. Um, I guess if you want to travel with your pit bull, you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to pay and ship the pit bull in cargo. They say we've had problems with these pit bull type dogs biting, biting passengers, biting flight attendants, biting airport personnel, and we're not going to put them in the cabin. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Diane in Elkhorn. Hi, Diane. Hi. And these dogs are trained very well. <laughs> I think uh, poodles are worse. Poodles will nip at you. Well, of course, the difference, though, Diane, is is if a poodle, I mean, a poodle nips at me, I I get, maybe it breaks the skin and I get a stitch, a pit bull latches onto me, and I... If you have a pit bull, you have the dog trained. It's not going to bite someone unless it's provoked. Well, that could be, but how do we know that the people who are I mean, okay? If I'm the guy that's getting on the airplane, how do I know that the person who's brought the pit bull on, ne- sitting next to me, has them properly trained or not? You have a point there, yes. Okay, I, th- I guess. See, th- thanks. I mean, see, that's I, I'm, I'm trying to balance this this out, and and I, I've done these topics before, and I think people, whenever I do these, I get I get notes from all over the world from people saying, "Why do you hate pit bulls?" And I really don't, but but the thing is. These are the these dogs. I think are again. And the the example I was using with Diane is where I stand by. If if a poodle nips at me, well, that's that's bad. But it, it's okay. I'm going to be nipped at, and worst case scenario, I'm going to get a stitch. If a pit bull goes on and and latches onto me, well, I'm in the emergency room, and it, it's going to be some serious types of injuries. And and I appreciate this argument that okay, well. You know, if they're trained, it's there's not bad dogs. There's there's only bad owners. Well, okay. Well, 
I mean, Delta Airlines has no way of knowing whether the person that's getting on the plane with that particular pit bull is a good owner or a bad owner. They have no way of knowing whether this pit bull is just some gentle sort of thing or whether it was, I don't know, you know, it's a rescue animal that was raised in an abusive situation. And, you know, one of the triggers, maybe, you know, when the cabin pressure changes, that could be a trigger. You, You just you don't know those types of things. And again, I, I understand that this is something that people who are lovers of this particular breed don't want to hear. But there, there are extra precautions I think you need to take when you are dealing with these types of, of animals. And you might have the most wonderful animal in the world, but the general population doesn't know it. And the reason Delta is doing what they're doing is because they say statistically, when they have been looking at these so-called emotional support animals, and when they've been looking at the problems, they have a disproportionate number of problems with this particular type of breed. And I, I guess I support them in that. 414-799-1620. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, and this is coming from the perspective as a dog lover, I wouldn't want to be on that flight from Milwaukee to Atlanta with a pit bull sitting as I'm strapped in with a pit bull sitting a couple inches away from me. And I'm sorry, if that makes me a hater, it makes me a hater. I'm just saying that's the reality. I've seen too many of these stories about these pit bulls that have mauled people. I, I it's, it, it is what it is. Let's talk to William in Illinois. William, you're on WTMJ. All these defenders of pit bulls, as you have heard, they will tell you, oh, my dog, wonderful with the children, so gentle, won't hurt anybody. Until they eat somebody. When a pit bull goes off, the only way to stop it is with a gun or a baseball bat. Uh, the doubters or the uninformed go to the website, go online, and look up pit bull attacks. Yep. Well, and you again, and, 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 and right, and it, well, and that's the that's the thing. And I I I, I understand that. You know, maybe collectively, the vast majority of these are fine. But when the pit bull does go off. It, it it's going to go off and you have cataclysmic kind of consequences. And that's just the reality of this thing. You, I mean, you don't hear stories about collies that, you know, or, or, or schnauzers, you know, that, that are mauling people. You hear the stories about the pit bull type of dogs. And obviously Delta is concerned about safety. And, and I think that's a reasonable position. No, thanks for the call. They're not saying, I mean, and, and matter of fact, some other airlines have said that there's some type of dogs that they're just not even transporting, some sort of breeds, because again, the experience has been that, you know, there's certain breeds that end up, you know, being more aggressive. And look, I, again, I, I appreciate my little dog. She's never bitten anybody. I don't think she would. But again, if, if she does, she's not going to break the skin. That, that's just, it's a different type of thing. I don't want to be, and, and again, I'm going to get all these emails on this, and I'm sorry, but I, I just, you might have the most wonderful dog in the world, but I don't know that. For all I know, the dog that's sitting on the lap of the woman next to me is a dog that's been, I don't know, was raised, a pit bull that was raised guarding a drug house. And when the flight attendant goes rolling on by with that, you know, cart of whatever, it might trigger something. I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry. That's kind of where it all comes down. Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I, I, I don't think they should be allowed on planes. Um, you know, what, what you mentioned is a good point. You're strapped in there. It's one thing if you're walking down the street and a dog nips at you, you can get out of the way. Or a dog can be perfectly friendly with people they know, but when you have sitting next to a stranger, how do they know? Or there's a quick movement. And 
Right, or, or there's a, or there's a crying, a screaming child that's exactly. a, a child that's crying on the other side of the aisle, and it's driving the it's driving the dog nuts or or whatever, and the dog just you know gets on its last nerve and it lashes out. Yeah, right. And I think you know the whole thing in terms of service dogs. There's people that need them, blind people, some other right. people, but I think this whole emotional support thing is just a crock. Yeah, just I, the way to fly people's dogs for free. I, see, I, I I agree with you completely. Thank, thank, and that's. That's where I think the law needs to change. I mean, there, there is a difference. Service dogs, and they have to be dogs, that's covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, and, and they got to be dogs, and they have to have specific training. Then there's this broader thing of these emotional support animals, and that's covered by a couple other laws, and it's very, very vague. To me, I'd change that. I would get rid of that. Matter of fact, Courtney sends me an email. If Delta is going to disallow any one breed, they should not allow any dogs unless they are certified. Let's be honest. There should be <clears throat> no emotional support animals at all. I, I agree. If you want to take your dog on the plane, pay the $100, pay the $125 if it fits under the seat, Otherwise, what you have to do is you have to tra- send it in cargo. And if you don't want to do that, well, okay, then you leave your dog at home or you drive, period. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 229, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Online has a an extremely explosive potential story, and I, <clears throat> I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Tony Zielinski, who is long-serving alderman, um, he was removed as chairman of the licenses committee uh, by the common council president that's that's one of the very powerful committees in city hall because it it says yay or nay on all the licenses that people get you know which is one of the you know one of the one of the big things that you use city government for well, anyhow he was bounced by the common council president he says it's politically motivated he's 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 running against tom barrett for for mayor um here's what the journal sentinel writes a Milwaukee alderman ousted from his spot as leader of the city's powerful licenses committee amid concerns that he pressured business owners for campaign contributions, sources told the Journal Sentinel. Um, apparently, nearly a dozen sources who asked not to be identified due to the sensitive nature of this issue said that multiple Milwaukee business owners have raised concerns about Zelensky and his aggressive fundraising tactics. Zelensky reportedly carries a square-type device that attaches to a cell phone and allows him to swipe credit cards for campaign contributions. Some reported feeling pressure to contribute money to his mayoral campaign and expressed concerns their licenses or project approvals would be at risk if they didn't contribute to the alderman. Now that it goes on, um, that's I, I, I take no position on the accuracy or not of that or not. But if that's true, it it raises all sorts of questions. And then the Journal Sentinel calls the FBI to say, is there an investigation? You know, you've had other politicians, both locally and sort of statewide and nationally, who who've gotten in trouble for using their office to raise money in ways that are inappropriate. I don't know if Anthony Zielinski did that or not, but this is definitely something to watch. And it's uh, it's a potentially, and I'll just leave it at that, potentially explosive story that is out there. 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you are new to the program, we, we set aside a, a segment. It's typically the, the last half hour of the program on Fridays to kind of have a little bit of fun. We put aside all the heavy lifting that we do during the course of the rest of the week. And uh, I call this segment Pop Culture Corner. We talk about... Events in the popular culture, things going on. Sometimes we take trips down memory lane and talk about things we miss. Sometimes, sometimes we talk about sports. Sometimes it's TV. Sometimes it's movies. Sometimes it's food. 
Sometimes it's travel. It's just whatever tickles my fancy in a given week that I hope will you know interest you as well. Well, we've got a couple things that are converging right now. First of all, yesterday was the first day of summer. My glass is half, you know, empty producer is now pointing out, of course, that this means that the amount of daylight hours starting to diminish starting now. So, I mean, less daylight hours today than yesterday, but I'm, I'm still, I'm not going to let me get that down, get that, get me down. Summerfest, the world's greatest music festival starts next Wednesday. Quick programming note. I'll be there. There's an early Brewers game on Wednesday, so I'm not down there Wednesday. We do hope to have an interview with Don Smiley. It's our Summerfest first day tradition, even though I'm not going to be on the grounds. I'll be on the grounds Thursday and then several days next week. Very much looking forward to that. So Summerfest starts next Wednesday. I was actually down at Summerfest yesterday. I was kind of look, looking around the grounds. It is just absolutely spectacular. I think if you go down there this year, you're going to see stuff that you haven't seen before. It is amazing to me what they do. And then, of course, the attraction to Summerfest, beyond just the physical facilities, is the music. I mean, the world's largest music festival, just absolutely tremendous. And if you read through, I was looking through one of the Summerfest booklets as I was trying to plan the days that I'm going to be down there, there, there's really, there's something for everybody. I mean, I don't care whether you're a country music fan. I don't care whether your your musical tastes are stuck in the 1970s, whether you like hip hop or whatever. There's something for everybody at Summerfest. So you got summer starting. You've got Summerfest. I understand the weather's not quite cooperating, but that'll turn around as well. And I thought for Pop Culture Corner uh, this week, we would, we would turn to the world of music. I, um, my general, the way I get ready for a show is I, I'm, I'm up in my upstairs office and I, I've got all the research that I've done and I'm trying to put things together. And, and what I typically do is I will go to um, my, my music library that I have on, on the computer and I, I'm always looking for, you know, artists or whatever, you know, tunes to, to put the show together. One of the things over the last couple of days I've been doing is I've been trying to find artists and songs that are kind of the soundtrack of the summer. Because I will tell you, I am I am ready for summer to get here. I'm not talking about the 90-degree heat from you know, a few days ago, but I'm talking about the real summer. You know, the, the 70, the 80-degree weather, the pleasant weather where there's no humidity, where you can sit out on your porch and just kind of enjoy yourself. I, I'm looking for that music that is the soundtrack of the summer. And I thought for Pop Culture Corner today, in honor of Summerfest, in honor of the start of summer, that's what song? What song is the soundtrack of summer? If is there one particular song that when you hear it, it just screams summer to you? Four and my guess is uh, yeah, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The song that is the soundtrack of summer. If there's one song out there that just says. Okay, it is summertime. What is that tune? 414-799-1620. As I always advise people, our phone lines tend to jam up pretty quickly, so call early and don't overthink it. Sometimes people say, well, will I sound silly if I say that song? No. I mean, there, there's, there's, I don't think there's too many silly answers that are there. Go with your first instinct. That typically works the best. All right. We are going to be back to get as many calls as we possibly can. The song that says summer to you. 414-799-1620. It's 240. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, we've touched a nerve with this one. Let's see some of our texts. Uh, Surf in the USA by the Beach Boys, a definite summer song. No question about uh, that. 
under. Let's see, Joe in Burlington says, uh, the Drifters under the boardwalk. Love and Spoonful, Summer in the City. I'll start it off. Um, I, I, t- to me, a song that just screams summer is uh, Brown Eyed Girl. Van Morrison and Jimmy Buffett does covers of that. Okay, let's start off. Richard in Milwaukee. Richard, you're first. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Great question to ask <laughs> us. The first song that came to my mind was The Warmth of the Sun uh, by the Beach Boys. Yeah, you know, there's so many great Beach Boys tunes, and that's certainly one of them that you just kind of hear it and you you feel warm. <laughs> That's what I felt, yeah. Uh, th- thanks for calling. No, I mean, you can't go wrong with a lot of Beach Boys tunes, and, you know, Warmth of the Sun is definitely, you know, Surfing Safari is another one, Surfing USA. Mike in Madison. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, I have two, but the first one is uh, School's Out, Alice Cooper. <laughs> you know, I've never seen Alice Cooper in concert. He's coming to State Fair. I might go see that show this year. Yeah, especially if he has that song. And I also like Thin Lizzy's Boys Are Back. I think that's a good summer song, too. Yes, yeah, bo- yeah Boys Are Back, right? What was the, um, oh gosh, that was the um, the Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy movie. That was kind of the, uh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll think of it in a second. But that was the that was part of the soundtrack of that. But yeah, Boys Are Back, uh, no question about that. 414-799-1620, Jim and Waterford. Jim, your song of the summer. Oh, Dancing in the Streets by Van Halen and... California Girls by Van Halen. Um, I was born, born and raised in San Diego, and when the summer hit, it, that's what it was. <laughs> I went to oh gosh, I went to uh, I went to see a Jimmy Buffett concert last fall at the um, uh, the 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 the, the, the outdoor amphitheater just about ten miles south of San Diego. It's Chula Vista or something like that. I forget what it was called, but uh, just just a great venue for a show. A great venue oh, for a show. Is that the college? No, well, it's no south of the college. I, I forget what it's. It's whatever their their amphitheater is down there. Um, but it, thanks, for, we we had a blast. My my niece, my goddaughter, is just finished her freshman year at San Diego State, and so last October, my brother and I, well, we had to visit her and see how she was doing. And it just turned out that there was a Jimmy Buffett show at whatever the whatever the music venue was, a little bit south of there. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Your song that's the soundtrack of the summer, Russ in Lake Geneva, Russia on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. I'm always so proud of my daughter. We go to this bar in Waterdale Lakes, and uh, she plugs the jukebox, and she always plays the Beach Boys. And one of her favorite songs, and I see all the other older people of our generation turn around and look and see who's playing this song, and he sees a 14-year-old girl. What is Sloop John B.? But in saying that, we had so many Beach Boys uh, comments. I think I'm going to go with Mungo Jerry, Jeff. Oh, it's summertime in the city, right? Yeah. No. Mungo Jerry... uh, in the summer, in the summer, oh, in the summer, the yeah, yeah. All no, right, right. Thanks, right, right. Thanks for going. No, but Sloop John B. You know, works. You know, works well. Was that on Pet Sounds? That might have been on Pet Sounds. But I, I mean, again, the, you know, the Beach Boys. I mean, they, they made a living for you know however many years by by representing kind of the, the sound of the summer. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Chris in Shorewood. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Oh yes, Jeff. Jeff, this is Chris from Shorewood. I just yeah. want to see. Hot Fun in the Summertime by Flying the Family Stone, and It's Summer by War, two of the classics. Yeah, um, I remember I saw Sly and the Family Stone in concert a couple times. They played at Summerfest once or twice, I know, and I was I remember yeah. seeing them there. They put on quite a good show. The War was one of my favorite groups doing that, and we saw them down there too. Yeah, no, th- thanks. That's the I mean, that's one of the great things about Summerfest. You see so many places. Okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, let's go to um, 
What about Vacation by Connie Francis? Huh. Saturday in the Park. That's uh, by Chicago, right? Um, let's see. Um, that, 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 yeah, 48 Hours. That was the Nick Nolte movie I was trying to think of. Number of people helping me out there. The song that screams summer, it's finally summer, um, by Matt Wall. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar with that one. Let's see, um, you know who Matt Wall is. In the summertime, a lot of people saying in the summertime by Mungo Jerry, which is, of course, just an outstanding song. You know, it, it's, I'll tell you another song, and, and maybe it's just because of, of, of the memories it brings back. Bob Seeger's Night Moves. And, and I guess I, I understand it's not the, the quintessential song, but for for some reason that one just screams, you know, summer to me. And and I just whenever I think about that, it, it's just got that sort of feeling to it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to um Howard in Niagara. Hi Howard, you're on WTMJ. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. You know they say that music is the soundtrack of our lives. And for me, the summer before my senior year in high school, the song Drive by the I'm sorry, Magic by the Cars was popular, and uh, we always heard it when you're out at the swing pool, and the video even has them at a swing pool, and the, the lyrics start with summer, summer, summer. It right. Just screams, it just screams to me the summer of 84, and I just have never forgotten that. Isn't it? It just kind of, and see, Night Moves is like that for me. You know, it just, it takes you back to a particular time in your life and that that is the, that is the great thing thanks for that that's the great thing about uh, about music and and we all respond to it kind of uh, differently let's see um here's mark he says meatloaf's paradise by the dashboard lights um okay and the cars uh, good times roll 4147991620 let's talk to uh let's see gene in germantown gene you're in wtmj hello yeah, that's the memories going down Lake Drive and cruising the Avenue. <laughs> I get around. You know, I I just I, I'm I just I oh, you come up with these great suggestions, and that's another Beach Boys tune. And I want to burst into song, but just in deference to the audience, I'm resisting that because there's a reason I do spoken word radio, not not singing. But but yeah, I mean, you hear I get around, and and every, you just want to sing. You want to sing to that tune as soon as it comes on. Absolutely. No, it's outstanding. Thanks for I, you know again Beach Boys. Just incredible. Let's talk to Ray in Milwaukee. Ray, you're on WTMJ. Yes, hello, Jeff. Hi, Ray. Uh, the song that I'm looking or thinking about is Summertime by the Fresh Prince, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. It just kind of brings back fun memories of just enjoying the summer and just uh, kind of hanging out and, and doing uh, summertime things. And uh, I'm usually not a, a rap kind of guy, but uh, that is the one that comes to mind. No, I, and th- thanks to know, and, and Will Smith um, does there's a lot of good stuff, and I think Summertime would be one of them. Let's see. Uh, here's a text. Don Henley, Don, and of course, you know, who was, is the driving force behind the Eagles, uh, Boys of Summer. I'm going to see the Eagles next uh, next week. My brother and I are going to go up to uh, Minneapolis, and the Eagles, Jimmy Buffett is opening for the Eagles at Target Field, so we're going to take a couple days and uh, just leave just Friday and Saturday. Another, uh, let's see, summer breeze. All sorts of great ones. This is this is definitely. I'm going to go back and uh, I think I think this evening, in addition to listening to the ball game, I'm going to be queuing up the uh, the music library and checking things out. Let's talk to. Um, let's see. Let's go to um, Lon and Sullivan. You're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff. Hi Lon. Hey, one of my favorite is Summer of '69. Brian Adams. More of a rock and roll summer song. Uh, yes, it is a 
It is a rock. That's a good way to describe it. It's kind of a rock and roll summer t- song. Yeah. yeah. I, and back in 69, I was like 14, 15, and it really <laughs> hits home with me. <laughs> well, that, that, thanks. I mean, see, that's it. I mean, that that that's it. It brings you to that time. Like I was saying, Night Moves. There's a couple other songs that do that, but but Night Moves does it uh, to me. Let's uh, Craig in Waukesha. Craig, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, great, great topic. I'm glad you uh, I'm going to vote for uh, Palisades Park by Freddie Cannon. Uh, this is in the 60s. It's kind of a reminder of going to uh, uh, the fairs and then the places where they were, had all the rides and things. And is this kind of a right. back to that era? Okay. And I'm, I'm, all right. I'm just, I, I don't have, I'm, I'm going to do this off the top of my head, and sometimes I, I'm wrong. But Palisades Park, that was a, that was a, that was a big right. Freddie Cannon did it, but didn't didn't Chuck Barris, the guy who did the Gong Show and the Dating Game, wasn't didn't he write the song? He wrote the song, didn't he? He may well have. I don't know. That. Yeah, Pal- right. Now, thanks. I think okay. Now, somebody will obviously correct me if I'm I'm wrong, but like, uh, right? I think I think Chuck Barris, who was the guy behind the Dating Game and all that stuff. Um, I, I think he's the one that wrote Palisades Park before he started creating those different shows, and Freddie Cannon did it. Um, let's talk to Steve in Milwaukee. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, long-time listener, long-time fan. Thank you, sir. Hey, I like any of the versions of Dancing in the Street, either the Van Halen or the <laughs> right. David Bowie, Mick Jagger, or the Supreme one. Right, right. Yeah, I love I, that. I, right, I, well, I, again, I just, I just bit my tongue there, Steve, because I was getting ready to burst into a chorus of dancing in the street, but I thought better of it. All right. All <laughs> but right. Th- at least, thanks for calling. At least I thought better of it for a couple minutes. You know, once I turn this over to John McCure, maybe I'll, I'm going to kind of be kind of dancing out of here. Um, I'm sorry, we're, we're kind of out of time. Jam phone lines, all sorts of, uh, all sorts of great, great suggestions. Um, again, if you're looking for one for me, I, I'd say um, you know, Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison, but there's so many different ones that are out there, just kind of fun stuff. And, and that's that's what I want to leave you with. We a lot, of, a lot of bad stuff going on in the world, a lot of serious things, but at the same time, you know, life is pretty darn good. And I, I think sometimes we need to just kind of get away from all the intensity and just enjoy some of the good things that are out there and nothing better than a nice summer day and some good summer music. And that's why I hope to see you down at Summerfest over the course of the next couple of weeks. 254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.